Put me in coach. I'm Matt. I'm Paul. Welcome to basketball. All right, so now that the season's over, we don't have to talk about LeBron James for an hour anymore every time. We can talk about some like broader things in the NBA, which is kind of nice. Yep, grand picture stuff. I would say big picture, but <laughs> I like grand, the grand picture. So today we're going to do, when I say deep dive, I use that very loosely because, again, we're not so analytical, but we're going to talk about coaches 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 so there's a lot to cover in coaching in the nba we'll probably start with where the league is as far as who are the really good coaches who are the like meh pretty good coaches and then probably after we have that general discussion we'll talk about vacancies in the league i think there's four currently and then we'll talk about um, who just got head coaching jobs, or maybe we'll flip that around. But that's kind of the conversation for today. Yeah, instead of doing a top 10, we kind of break them into different tiers. There's kind of like seven or eight coaches who are, we just kind of consider tier one. We have some arguments about the border between tier one and tier two. We definitely have some arguments <laughs> about it, for sure. So we're going to start with that. Uh, let's just go over some of our gold standard top tier coaches. So let's give a shout out to... And this may be a hot take because I do love Phil Jackson, but I'm sorry for me. This is the GOAT coach, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich. So he started with the Spurs. That's his only team he's coached. He started there December 10th, 1996. I was in first grade. We were both in first grade. Yeah. The next longest tenured coach is Eric Spolstra with the Miami Heat, who started in 2008. It's now 2020. So he's doubled the career of Eric Spolstra. Like, he doubled the next longest tenure. That's just, it's incredible. And I mean, Eric Spolstra, 12 years on one team is amazing as well. But that's the a, fact that's so that Pop long. has been there for 24 years. 24. Do you have any guesses where Pop ranks all time on the wins list? That's a really great, I, I mean, I, I, it's probably not number one, but it should be number one. So it's not number one or number two, but it is number three. He has 1,277 wins. Number one is Don Nelson. Okay. The G. I mean, Don, Don Nelson, by the way, shout out to Don Nelson. Because Don Nelson, for those of you who don't know about Don Nelson, because he hasn't coached in the NBA for a long time. Nope. He was the Warriors coach pre-Mark Jackson. And then coached in Dallas, and like he's been around forever. Don Nelson, um, honestly, was actually kind of an architect for small ball, the way that he played. Because if you when Steph was, Curry first came coach. in, he was a good coach. When Steph Curry first came into the league, he and Monta Ellis, yep, it's like we haven't heard that name for a while. I liked Monta Ellis. He was fun to watch. Those two, the well, they weren't the Splash Bros. They had I'm trying to remember what their names were. Like the kid and something else. They had nicknames. It was basically nicknames for shooters who were on a shitty squad. Don Nelson was the coach. Don Nelson retired. And now Don Nelson is like the biggest pot smoker and super into weed 
and just chilling, living his best life. Knowing that he has the all-time wins record for right now in NBA history. So shout out to Don Nelson. He coached 31 years. So this is kind of crazy. He's at 1,335 wins. So he's about 80 more than Pop. But it took him 31 years to do that. Possibly coaching 24 years. Do you have Pop's winning percentage up? Because I think that's really important to talk about. I can. Pull, we'll get it here in a second. I can pull that up. Foreshadowing. And this is also why I love Tim Duncan. He's a part of that. But the winning percentage for those Spurs teams, it's... Ridiculous. You look at the percentage of their games they won. It's nuts. And that's the thing. If Pop coaches two more years and he averages 50% win rate, so about 42 games a season, he'll become number one in all-time wins. And he'll do it in five fewer years than the next coach. Which is just, it's such a long but outstanding career. It's not like he's just coaching bad teams for 30 years. Like He's coached really good teams for a long time. This year was a disappointment, but it's also arguably the worst roster he's had in a long yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, they haven't really blown it up since they got Tim Duncan number one. And that was like a one-year blip. The biggest move they've made in the past, to me, you know, 15 years was Kawhi Leonard. That trade they made to get that pick to take Kawhi Leonard, but... Yeah, I mean, they've been so consistent for so long. I'll be interested to see where they go from here and how they, I mean, how many more years does Pop coach? How do they rebuild? How do they retool to try and make the playoffs in an already crowded West? Like, it's there's I, a lot of questions around the Spurs. I got to think he wants that all-time win record. I would think he coaches another two years, maybe three, just to, even if they miss the playoffs, but they win 30 games a season. I mean, if he gets 90 more wins in three seasons, that's bad by his standards. I mean, he's used to getting, you know, like 120 in two seasons type of stuff. But then he'll get the all-time record. He'll be pretty comfortable. I mean, that's going to be a tough record to beat. Maybe Spolstra can do it eventually because he started young. He did but, start young. I mean, Spolstra is – I don't think he he's even 50 yet. And he can coach if he wants for another 20 years. Yep. Because, I mean, the Heat will just keep him forever if they're smart. So we can talk about him in a second because yep. I want to spend some time on him as well because I, I really like Eric Spolstra. So, but yeah, shout out to Pop for being the GOAT. So so Pop is a living legend. Yeah. He absolutely is. Uh, his win percentage overall for his career is 67.5%, which is absurd. It's, uh, that is... To and put, I, so yeah. to put that in perspective, there's kind of... You have to cherry pick some of these stats because like Nick Nurse right now technically has the highest winning percentage of any head coach in the history of the NBA but he's coached two seasons with a really good team um Steve Kerr is also up there Steve Kerr has the second highest winning percentage in the history of the NBA for a head coach but he joined a basically juggernaut team that was just handed to him right uh Popovich has been doing this 24 years He's six overall, but like Larry Bird's ahead of him, who coached for three years. Yeah. David Blatt, the coach of the Cavs, sure. has a slightly higher winning percentage than him, barely. But he only coached for two years. And Nick Nurse has only been coaching for two years. The only other coach that's kind of in the realm of Greg Popovich is Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's winning percentage is 70%. But... 
Phil Jackson also had Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaq. Shaq? And Phil, he did Jack- in- Phil Jackson was a very good coach. I'm not discrediting Phil Jackson at all. And to me, like, look, I, I love Phil Jackson. I think the GOAT conversation of coaches, it's again, it's like both, it's like both, LeBron and Michael Pop, Jordan. Yeah, both Pop and Phil are in that conversation. To me, they're the top two coaches of all time. Whatever and, order you want to put that in, that's fine. And but, Pop is still doing it. I mean, absolute living legend. Yeah. Just, yeah, phenomenal coach. I also love how Pop has, he's never really given a shit ever about what people think about him. But especially now, he doesn't fucking care. Like, he'll say, especially politically. Pop's interviews are the best. They're the best. He they're opens up, and he's just so dry, like, basically, well... Our president's a xenophobe, he's a racist, he's terrible, and he's a bad example for people. And you're like, okay. His his, <laughs> third, his third quarter interviews on TV used to just be legendary. A reporter would be like, so uh, you're losing by 20 points, you know, or something like that. What do you need to do better? He'd be like, we need to play better basketball. The reporter would be trying to dig for more, like, you going to mix up your offensive scheme, you know, try to get so-and-so involved for and he'd be like yeah maybe <laughs> and that was it just give like really short you know answers if you asked an elegant question he respected you but if he just came up and said hey what do you think about the game he was just like i don't have time for this and i kind of respected that about him it was like a grumpy old man but it was like a respectful grumpy old man exactly it's like a grumpy old man on a mission which he has been his entire career. He's not even terribly old even now. No, which is why he can go for a few more years. And, I mean, it's kind of kind of like LeBron chasing the point record. Even if he tapers off in the wins, you know, and LeBron tapers off in points, I think those records are in the back of their minds and they want them. For sure LeBron wants the points record. I think... Pop I, probably wants the all-time wins I at the Pop same time. That. I could also see him being the kind of guy who gets like one win away at the end of a season and is like, eh, I'm done. So it's funny you, It's funny you say that because the number two coach in all-time wins is three behind Don Nelson. Three wins. It's 1,332 to 1,335. Like, come on, man. Just coach, who is it? Coach a few more games. Lenny Wilkins. Oh, shout out to Lenny Wilkins. He was an awesome coach. Yep. It took him 32 years to get to that number. So, again, these coaches are taking over 30 years. Pop is going to do it well under 30 years if he wants, which is just a testament to how good he has been for so long. I'm going to be kind of redundant, but he could coach four more seasons at 20 wins a season, which would be the worst consistently in Spurs franchise history. By a long shot. And he would get it in multiple years less. Yeah. Again, a testament to how great he is. So, we don't need to keep talking about how good he is. Yeah. You could put us as the lead assistant coaches on the team, and he would still beat the all-time win record. <laughs> Actually, that'd be great because then we'd be um, getting interviews for head coaching positions in like two years. So, <laughs> which shout out to Becky Hammond, she should be getting the head coaching interview at least. Okay, so I want to focus. I can't believe I'm the one saying this, but I want to focus right now on the coaches and like the top tiers. But then I do want to talk about coaches that should be. Like, assistant coaches that should be head coaches right now, because there's a couple. Yeah, we'll continue on with top tier. Yeah. We've covered Pop. Uh, I think next up, easy for both of our top tier, we kind of mentioned him already, Eric Spolstra. Just 
guaranteed top spot. I mentioned it multiple episodes ago, and I'll reiterate it. To me, the reason Eric Spolstra is so great. And he's the coach of the Heat, by the way. Yeah, coach of the Miami Heat, um, who were just in the NBA Finals, if with, you didn't pay his, attention. <clears throat> with a squad that was not supposed to be in the NBA Finals. A squad that honestly wasn't even supposed to make the Eastern Conference Finals. No. No, it was supposed to be Raptors versus Bucks. So, to me, there's a couple of points why I think he's so great. Number one is he's he's such a hard worker. He started out as a video coordinator 25 years ago for the Heat, and he just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked harder than everybody else, and he became the head coach. of Well, he was an assistant coach and then became head coach. And the way he managed, while only being a head coach for a few years, the personalities of LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh on those Heat teams – he did such a good job at look. He had the best team on paper. Those teams oh, were yeah. just sick. But oh man, he still had great schemes. He his X's and O's are better than just about anybody's, and he put them in positions to win. Yep. Because even if you have all the talent, like I thought, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks had the best team on paper. They haven't made the Eastern Conference Finals because Bud doesn't know how to make in-game adjustments. Right. And and Spolstra does. Also, we need to give some props to the Miami Heat organization. Yes. Um, LeBron James wanted Eric Spolstra fired early in his career in Miami. And Pat Riley, who's the president of operations in Miami, was basically like, no, Eric's our guy. And you're going to, like, he's going to be your coach. And Pat Riley's correct. Yeah. And Pat, Pat Riley, to his credit, put Eric Spolstra in a position where Eric Spolstra could do his thing. That doesn't happen in every organization. It definitely doesn't. But the other reason I think he's so good is post-LeBron, and I know I mentioned this before, but every single year, those Heat teams overperformed. Every single year. Again, even if they only won 30 or 35 games. Yep, the Vegas odds have always been underneath. So the fact that he's able to take a squad full of scrubs in a few years after the, the LeBron era, it was pretty rough roster-wise. You, you look over and you're like, oh, the Heat have won seven games straight. What? With, yeah. with who? Yeah, and they just kind of do that. And then obviously I getting mean, they, Jimmy Butler this year, having the young squad, trusting Tyler Hero, trusting they, they Duncan Robinson. A, a 20-year-old rookie in the NBA Finals. I mean, the progression of BAM already. Yep. So, And, and a yeah. lot of that comes from good coaching and good player development. And, I mean, props to Eric Spolster. Yeah. Easily, easily a top-tier coach. Yep. Uh, we also mentioned him already. He's the all-time win-loss percentage leader right now. Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors. Shout out to Nick Nurse, Iowa boy. We said that before, but Iowa boy, Iowa Nick Nurse. Boy. Uh, I mean, he he has obviously come into a stacked Toronto team, but he's done a very good job coaching that team. Like it is just a well-coached team. I do want to give a little bit of background to. Um, I don't know everything about Nick Nurse, but he is a guy who is also. He's coached at just about every level. He's coached overseas. He's coached in college. He's coached. So he actually coached uh, here in Des Moines. We have a G League affiliate team now. They're actually the the Iowa Wolves. So the Timberwolves own the team here. But before it was the Iowa Energy. And he actually coached that team to a D League championship in, I think, 2011, maybe? I could be wrong on that. Uh, 2008 to 2009 and 2009 to 2010 seasons. So. Um, 12 years ago, roughly. And so he's shown that he has the ability to coach a team and win a lot of games. 
And then he was on Toronto's staff with Dwayne Casey. And he got the job and has shown that, yeah, he's always tracked up to be. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great coach. No and to me, the mark that. of why he's so great is not the job he did his first year, which was amazing. You won a championship in your first year. Oh, yeah. But the fact that he was able to take the team minus Kawhi and do what they did this year. Still a very good team. Oh, yeah. But again, you still have to have the coach in place to organize that very good team and put those really good players in positions to win. You know, a lot of it's defensive scheme, how you're going to use them on offense, pulling them out for breaks, in-game management, things like that. There's a lot that a coach does and that we would, you know, if we were the coach of the Raptors, we would completely fuck up and the team wouldn't win as many games as if Nick Nurse had been the coach. And we can kind of segue this way. They lost to a really good Celtics team in the in the playoffs. And shout and, out to Brad Stevens, who's Br- also a top-tier coach. Brad Stevens, another top-tier coach. He's been with uh, the Boston Celtics since 2013. So he's been there a long time. It's longer than a lot of people think. Like, I saw that maybe a month or so ago. I think Paul and I were talking about it. And I'm like, 2013? And seven years for an NBA coach is actually a long time with one team. It is. And that was his first NBA job because he was a butler before that. Yep. And he was a very good college coach. Sometimes the transition isn't easy. And he made it look pretty seamless. I think a lot of times. Look at, look at, well, I mean, look at Coach Cal. Yeah. Like, you know, he was in Memphis and then I don't remember where he went in the NBA, but like he's had a stint in the NBA. It did not work out. No. And he's got his thing at Kentucky. Awesome. But there's a lot of college coaches, Fred Hoiberg, who cannot coach in the NBA successfully. But Brad Stevens... Man. Yeah, and shout out to Billy Donovan, too, who made the transition over from college to NBA. And did he's it. not a top-tier coach, in my he's, opinion. He's not a top <laughs> – not, he's not yet, but he did a good job this year with the Thunder team, and he came from the college background also. Remind me of Billy Donovan in a, Donovan, Donovan in a few minutes, Billy too. Donovan? Billy Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> sounds, sounds like he drives a minivan to the pickup game. That he got for a dollar. <laughs> dollar van. Is he going to sign Dame Dollar? No. Oh. Two Dollar? You think Dame Dollar would go to Chicago? <laughs> I tried to make that rhyme. It didn't work very well. <laughs> anyway, Brad Stevens, also top tier coach. Brad Stevens. I think this is probably the end of our similar, mm. but Steve. No, it's but not. Steve, I was going to say Steve Kerr. But no, there's another one, Paul, you're forgetting. Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle, we also put, yo. Know, Rick Carlisle. He's easily in both of our top tens. Or, he's in my or top, top five. Top tier. He's in my, yeah. Because we're not doing top ten. Sure. He is a top tier coach for sure. He's been with the Mavs for a long time. Won that 2011 championship, which was a great title. And, I mean, part of his organization too. Like, they had some bad years, and they trusted him, but he's always done a lot with the pieces he has. And I just feel like his players love him. Yeah. He seems one like one of the most revered coaches like if players could pick a coach to play for he seems like he'd be one of the top choices and that's sometimes coaches are known as player coaches sometimes they're known as more just x's and o's and hey you go here type of coach where i think rick carlisle handles the balance of both really well like he can rally the troops and do all that but also knows where to guide them and it's kind of rare for a coach to be able to do both of those things yep so rick carlisle the mavs all right, I also said Steve Kerr. Yes. I, I think we would also both put him in a top-tier coach. He has had 
a really good team. So he hasn't really been challenged a lot, you could say. Well, the team, I mean, this past year was a good challenge for him. Yeah, and it's not like they overperformed or underperformed. They performed. It wasn't a beautiful season by any means. No, but, it wasn't. But it's not an indication of Steve Kerr. No. Like, the the team was bad. It was like, who's this guy? Who's starting for them tonight? You, you didn't know. I do think, though, this year will probably be the most pressure that he's had this upcoming year this will, upcoming year will be the most pressure just because the west again is has evolved and it's so much more difficult to navigate and compete in than it was before and if healthy that's the big caveat but if healthy everyone's healthy for most of the season miss yep. a couple games here and there that's or you know they rest right. that kind of stuff yep. if healthy this warriors team should to me not only make the playoffs be probably a top four seed because again steph curry Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they did it before. Those expectations from five years ago when they did it. I mean, everyone's five years older, but the expectation is you do it again. And so that's going to be the question. How do you manage that? Maybe Clay doesn't play every game like he has in the past five years. You know, he's coming off that injury. Steph's coming off an injury. Draymond is slowing down a little bit. And you have Andrew Wiggins now, which will be interesting to see if they treat him like a Harrison Barnes, if they try and give him a little more responsibility, a little... Yeah, maybe um, when, when Clay Thompson's out, that's when Andrew Wiggins steps up and takes more shots. Sure. But that's a downgrade, going from Clay Thompson to Andrew Wiggins. So it's gonna be, it is going to be interesting. I think you're right. This year will be the most pressure Steve Kerr has as a coach to sort of over-exceed expectations. And to me, this, again, Steve Kerr is a top-tier coach. Yeah. And Steve Kerr is also like great guy. He's fun to listen to. He's I love Steve Kerr. But, Steve Kerr is a great guy. But this will be to me. After the season is done next year, we will be talking about okay. Steve Kerr showed us either he is a top tier NBA coach or yep. you know what? It was just the team. Not that he's a bad coach, but he's not as good maybe as we thought he was. So I'm actually really interested in watching how he does this year. It, yeah, watching the Warriors next year will be really interesting. I mean, if they make the Western Conference Finals and lose in the Western Conference Finals, that would still be good for that team. I, I mean, I would even say winning, even winning a playoff series in the West with how tough it is. It is tough. There's so, I mean, there, Paul and I were talking about it, and we'll talk about this later when we talk about what teams are best in each conference, but there are so many good teams in the West. The playoffs are pretty much already set, basically. There's not much room to come in. No, it's going to be tough for your Timberwolves to make it. I, I mean, I barring a major trade, barring like injury or yeah, something, I, they're probably not going to. They could be a nine or ten, maybe, hopefully. But anyway, your Hawks should. Hot take: the Atlanta Hawks will be the eight seed in the Eastern Conference Finals next year. Yeah, that's kind of the goal. And if they were in the Western Conference, they would not be going for the eight <laughs> seed. They'd be like, "Can we win five games this season?" <laughs> So, yeah, Steve Kerr. Um, so that brings us to where – so before we go in like a tier two, I think we'll talk about a couple of a couple of coaches where Paul and I – Differ kind of a little bit. Very – yeah, we, we differ just a, just a skosh. So the first one we can talk about, Doc Rivers. I think last year we would have ranked him as a tier one. Mm -hmm. This year I think he dropped down to tier two. I think he, with a couple other coaches, will be kind of the top of Tier 2. Um, maybe there's like maybe Tier 2 and 3 are closer than I thought. I'm not thinking this through because we obviously haven't talked about any of this pre-show. So, 
But, I mean, yeah, Doc Rivers is a really good coach. The Clippers situation, maybe we'll need to, like, break that down very specifically at some point because it's pretty muddy. Yep. But I don't blame that all on Doc Rivers. He should have done some better adjustments coaching-wise. I do agree with that. But there's some other stuff that was not in his hands. They had the better team on paper. But they were trash. (laughs) Trash. There's also some stat where there's been, like, 12 uh, when you're down 3-1 comebacks. And he's been the head coach for three of those. Yeah, I mean, which is kind of a damning cherry pick stat. It is. Again, I think similar to Steve Kerr, we will see next, who Doc right. Rivers really is. With, I mean, first of all, we don't even know who's going to be on the Philly roster next year. It could be the same people. It could be completely different. And if it's it the same depends. people, that would be kind of interesting to see how much better or worse they do with a new coach. That will be the best litmus test. If yes. They, if they make a trade, it's not quite a one-to-one comparison. So that will be interesting to see. I am curious because I think Doc Rivers is a good coach. But, yeah, I want to see how he does. I think right now I'd put him toward the top of Tier 2. Sure. Um, also in that category, uh, I would probably put Michael Malone. And you would put him in your Tier 1. I would put him at the bottom of tier one. I just think what, what he did with the Nuggets this year, Michael Malone's always been a good coach. He has. He showed, because, again, we can talk about the Clippers and talk about all their deficiencies and Paul George not playing well and Kawhi, you know, not coming up big. and But you still had a win. And you have to give credit to Michael Malone and the Nuggets because it's not just that the Clippers fell apart. It's that the Nuggets, they game-planned better than the Clippers, period. They adjusted better. Their defense got better in the playoffs. Yeah, they were a team where you could see the improvement from game to game. And when they lost a game, kind of like the Heat in a way, you saw the next game, you saw, you could see very clearly and plainly where the adjustments were made and how they would win that next game. So, look, I like him a lot. I think he reminds me of Rick Carlisle in the way where he is good with the X's and O's. And also, I saw how pumped up he got his team oh he's good with the players too so i really i mean for me he's in like the bottom of tier one and he could be a guy who like just fluctuates in there for multiple years but i i really like him a lot yeah i mean if there's a tier one and a half i would put him in that that's why i'm thinking maybe like our tier two should be different than like maybe it's doc rivers and michael malone and terry stotts maybe that's tier two i want to see i want to see more from michael malone i mean kind of like doc rivers this upcoming year if if the Nuggets are another playoff contender and they win a playoff series, if they or go two, to the Western Conference Finals again next year, he he jumps up to tier one. Has to. If they miss the playoffs, he's tier two. He's tier two. Miss the playoffs, they yeah. won't miss the playoffs. Paul, I'm just saying. We talked about how hype you are on your boy Jamal Murray. I love Jamal Murray. Jokic, I love. They're Jokic. not missing the playoffs. But yes, of course. The hypothetical, if they did miss yeah. the playoffs, it's like, whoa. And, that, and that's why he's between Tier 1 and Tier 2. He was Tier 1 for last season. He's kind of been Tier 2 pre-last season. Yes. And so, if he repeats a Tier 1 coaching season, yeah, bump him up. He's Tier 1. If he kind of becomes Tier 2 again, he's he's a really good Tier 2 coach. I guess part of my reason for also putting him kind of in Tier 1 is like, kind of comparing to Nick Nurse in the way that he went farther than Nick Nurse this year. Yeah, I mean, the, and the, the and Nuggets overperformed. 
And there's there's no question about that. And that's that's the question that we're also Paul and I have talked about kind of ad nauseum during that Nuggets series um, with the Clippers and the Lakers is did Denver actually overperform? Are we going to see next year a uh, regression? Are we going to see that that was kind of a microcosm of the bubble? Or is that the Denver team? And I, I hope it's the Denver team because they do have all the talent. I like the Denver team. Yeah. I hope, I hope to see him back and make a deep playoff run and Michael Malone becomes tier one coach in my book. And they beat the Lakers. And they beat the Lakers. That'd be great. Matt and I will drink a lot of whiskey if that happens. <laughs> and, then re- and then record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so we, you mentioned Terry Stotts for the Trailblazers. He's another one of those borderline tier one, yes. tier two coaches. I think I would be inclined to put him as a tier one coach. Because he's been doing it longer than Michael Malone. Uh, a lot of those Portland teams have overperformed. They are always not expected to do well. They always have injuries. Every year. The and they Portland always make Trail, the playoffs. At least the Portland the Trailblazers have an injury. Yeah. Like, a major injury. Yep. They never know who their starting three or four is going to be. That's correct. It's like Kent Bazemore, Al Camino, Mo Harkless, who then went to the Clippers and like got cut, was starting in the playoffs the year before that. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot with some players who don't get a lot of playing minutes on other teams, and they make it work. I don't disagree with that at all. Terry Stotts is a great coach. Very underrated, I think. Yep. So you'd put him in your tier one? I think, again, I think maybe, like, on the fly, I feel like maybe we just need to create, like, a a, a separate tier. Maybe, like, I mean, I'm going to foreshadow a bit. Bud. Maybe Bud's, like, the top of tier three. Maybe there's, like, five tiers because we're talking about Doc Rivers and Michael Malone and Terry Stotts, like maybe they're their own thing because they're not quite tier one. But okay, I also think they're tier two. I think they're better than Bud. All three of them. I would still put Bud in that same category. Here, so Bud, tell me why. Bud Make has, me a believer. Bud has shown that he's a pretty good regular season coach. His deficiency is the playoffs, and the playoffs are really where coaching shines and stands out. And I do have a question for you: How do you win a championship in the NBA? With a really good regular season? Oh, you don't have to play any playoff games? No, they just kind of oh, okay. give it to you. <laughs> yeah, if you're the top seed in the regular season, they're like, here's the trophy. Yeah, that's what that's what Coach Bud's banking on. <laughs> but, but there is value to being a good regular season coach. Absolutely, His- but again, and I'm going to bring Michael Malone up again. Michael Malone took the Denver Nuggets to the Western Conference Finals and that Milwaukee yes. Bucks team on paper, to me, is the best team in the league. Yes. Fucking hands down. And the, they couldn't, I mean, they couldn't beat the Heat. Seriously? Yeah. Come on. It, to me, that's I, inexcusable. And frankly, I agree Bud you. should have been one of the first coaches fired. I like Bud fine, but he should have been fired. I do think they need a coaching change. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's no way he should keep his job after that. Because he would not make adjustments in that no. Heat series. And you see, look, media aren't coaches, but you see... Oh, it's another game, and Coach Bud didn't make any adjustments. He just, like, this is the game plan, and this is yeah. what we're going to do. But Eric Spolstra adjusts every single game, Eric, and they Eric won. Eric Spolstra outcoached him, and that's why the Heat won. It's, it's basically that. And like Paul just said, regular season coaching, fine, but playoffs is where the best coaches shine. Yes. Because they that, make the right adjustments. They call timeouts at the right time. They tell their players to go fuck themselves at halftime when they're down 20 and maybe win a game like it they they know how to they know how to do it they know how to win they know how to win 
And Bud's good are winning in the regular season, and I think that has value because there are a lot of coaches who are not good at winning in the regular season or the playoffs. Because in order to make the playoffs, you have to win in the regular season. But he could be one of those coaches that is just a good regular season coach and maybe bounces from kind of team to team. Maybe he's like a, and you're going to kill me for this, but maybe he's like a Mark Jackson to where he like, he coaches the Bucks and like they get really good in the regular season and they fold in the playoffs. Then the Bucks bring in somebody else and they win a championship the next year. Yep. Uh, Dwayne Casey could also be in that conversation um, where he was with the Raptors for a long time. They were a good team. Kind of fell short in the playoffs. And then Nick Nurse comes in and is like, how about a championship, bitches? So let's put Dwayne Casey on the Bucks. Who says uh, no? Probably the Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Bud and Dwayne Casey would have similar resumes. And I do actually, I would put Dwayne Casey kind of like with Bud as well, even though he's in Detroit right now and Detroit is Detroit's absolutely garbage. garbage but just... I mean, Dwayne Casey is a really good coach. He's coaching that fire really well. He pours some gasoline in there every now and then, and the flames shoot up. Mm. <laughs> Detroit's a mess. You're, maybe Bud is kind of a tier three. I think you're right. Ooh, that's tough for Paul to Dang. admit. <laughs> is this being recorded? <laughs> uh, yes. I, I don't like this. <laughs> We don't need to go through all the other coaches in the NBA because there's a lot, and I feel like this is going to get really boring really quick for people. So we can maybe leave it at that unless there's another coach you feel like you really need to highlight. I want to talk about one other coach. Okay. It's going to be personal. Tibbs. Oh, okay. That's actually wonderful. Because Tibbs was considered a Tier 1 coach for a while. He uh, was an assistant with the Boston Celtics when they won their championship kind of reinvented their defense, put out a blueprint that the rest of the NBA followed for defense. Yeah. And for a while there, back in the early 2010s, was considered a tier one coach. Got his own head coaching gig and has been kind of ass at most of his head coaching gigs. So how do you feel about Tibbs, the ex-head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the current head coach for the next five years on paper of the New York Knicks? Well, I expect garbage franchises to make garbage moves. And, I mean, Dolan is the worst owner in pro sports? Yeah, although the Houston Rockets owner is coming for him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> by the way, I guess we'll do this right now, but um, fuck Houston sports. Fuck Houston sports in general. First of all, I do feel slightly bad for Rockets fans. They have to watch James Harden every night. The city of Houston is awesome. Awesome. Shout out to Beyonce, by the way, because Beyonce is incredible and from Houston. But no shout out at all. And fuck you. First of all, Daryl Morey. Oh, Daryl Morey left the organization on his own terms. Yeah, fucking right. Bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. He left. Yeah, technically he left. He was probably told, either you leave or we're going to make a big deal about it because... Um, Prime Overlord Xi Jinping was like, uh, excuse me, uh, yeah, you're going to fire him because he doesn't like China. Right. It's, it's like, you're either going to get fired and not have a severance, or you leave quietly and get that severance package. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Again, we've, we've, we've very lightly broached on this, and maybe someday we'll go into it. But the whole China thing, I mean, the, der yeah. <laughs> the Chinese writing was on the wall for that one. It really was. And, well, and think about the Rockets in general. Like, so... For those of you that don't know, I'll very, very briefly, because I do not want to go in depth about it, because it is kind of a weird situation, but Daryl Morey tweeted, I believe, 
Yes. Support for Hong Kong. Yes. There's a big issue with Hong Kong and China and China. I mean, China's had a lot of civil rights issues. They are like, and human rights issues. They're not being super great to a lot of groups of people, not just the people in Hong Kong, but um, in other parts of China. So the NBA, their biggest market is China. Yep. And they want it to grow. They do want it to grow. And it all started really with Yao Ming on the Rockets. And so the Rockets had the largest presence in China. They did. For a long time. And so for Daryl Morey, I mean, first of all, shout out to Daryl Morey for saying that because I agree with him. Yes. But for him to say that and being the general manager of that franchise, it it was the writing on the wall. It was, it just, he was not going to be for that with that franchise long term. China removed that. the Rockets from the NBA inside of China yes. because because they control the internet inside of China. The Rockets did not exist for this up uh, for this last season. And because the Rockets organization was the catalyst for the the Chinese market for the NBA because of Yao Ming, that I mean, they have to be the leader in China in the NBA. Yes. That's I'm sure what the owner thinks. So anyway, Daryl Morey did not leave on his own terms. Shout out to Daryl Morey. I hope he gets another GM position. And he did a great we'll job that. of his position. He did nothing wrong. It's geopolitical forces that basically caused him to resign, quote, quote. Yes. And also, fuck the Astros. Double fuck the Astros. Triple fuck the Astros. Quadruple fuck the Astros. Quintuple fuck the Astros. Sextuple fuck the Astros. Septuple fuck the Astros. Octo fuck the Astros. Mm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not smart enough to say the next one, Paul. <laughs> I'm not either. I'm glad that I ended on eight. <laughs> but anyway, for those who don't know, briefly, the Astros are the MLB team, Major League Baseball, in Houston. They cheated multiple years uh, signaling whether pitches were going to be fastballs or breaking balls, which makes it a lot easier to hit a baseball really well when you know what pitch is coming. They won a World Series cheating. It's been shown... Very measurably and demonstrably, like their home stats are better than their away stats by a lot. Players who got traded off those teams regressed a lot, including your Minnesota Twins, who kind of got fleeced signing Marwin Gonzalez. Sorry about that. Yep. But anyway, their their base their stance was like, yeah. So uh, what you gonna do about it? And Major League Baseball was like, uh, nothing, which is shitty. But Octo fucked the Astros for cheating and then being shits about it. They just, they couldn't care less. They're like, yeah, we cheated, and it's totally legit, you guys. We won a championship. It's not. So back to Tibbs. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and I'll be brief because I, I think there's other stuff I want to cover, like vacancies and things like that. But <clears throat> Tom Thibodeau is an asshole. He is not a good coach. He is toxic. All he's cared about, and this is going to maybe sound counterintuitive, but all he has cared about for the past 20 years is coaching. He doesn't care about personal lives. He doesn't care about anything else. You have to have like, to me, the best head coaches, of course you have to be a good coach. You have to care about the X's and O's, but you got to care about your players. You got to not want to run them into the ground. And he's so to me, maniacal about the way that he operates. That's why he and Jimmy Butler got along so well, but that's also what drove the wolves to be not in a good situation. And it was so toxic. Yep. The wolves, it worked for the bulls because Chicago's a hard city. Like, big city grit and grind they they like that kind of style and yep. they also had a, a good team yes um the wolves did not and the reason it didn't work with the wolves to me is you had 
Carl Anthony Towns, who you're trying to nurture and bring along. And he's not the type of player that responds to that kind of style, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean he's a soft player. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. Um, there are just different styles. And so that style was to it was the detriment. It, it basically blew up the Wolves and created just a mind fuck and terrible situation for the players. Like, I mean, they were mind fucked by Jimmy Butler in that third string thing. I mean, <laughs> Carl Towns, seriously. I mean, he, I feel bad for him because he doesn't want to talk about it now. And I get it because he was, it was, it was just not good. So I'm going to be honest from an outside fan. I kind of loved it. <laughs> fuck you, Paul. <laughs> but you're right. Tibbs, Tibbs is toxic. He kind of reminds me of an NFL coach. Where NFL coaches, they like pride themselves on how little they see their family during the regular season. They're like, oh, I slept in the office and then woke up at 4 a.m. to scheme against this upcoming team we're going to play in three weeks. And everyone's like, oh, wow, they worked so hard. That's what I feel Tibbs is. He's like, hey, guess how many times I slept in the office last season? And everyone's like, well, the answer should be zero. And he's like, every damn night, you cowards. You know, it's like, that's maybe that helps you, but it's also just completely maniacal. And, like, not everyone responds to that. He's going to – to me, without looking at all the coaches, he's the most toxic coach, I think pretty easily, right now in the NBA. Going to easily the most toxic franchise in the NBA. Yeah. With young players, it's not going to go well. Do you think he lasts five years? There's no way he lasts five years. To me, it's like he either lasts 15 years or he lasts <laughs> – Two. I'm not even sure he's going to last two years. So I've seen some rumblings, which is all it is because there's always rumblings about trades and stuff with the Houston <laughs> blow up. There's talks that if Russell Westbrook becomes available in the market, the Knicks are interested, which they're interested in all big stars when they come up. Yes. Ugh. I mean, yikes that pair. I don't know if that would go well at all. Westbrook. And I'm not sure it'd be like a Butler and Tibbs situation. No. I don't think Westbrook. Would I think like they it. would butt heads. Yeah. So yeah, Tim's is garbage. He's a terrible coach. Actually, he's not that good. He did. I will give him credit, like Paul said, for revolutionizing and reinventing how defense was played in the league for many years. He did. He was the architect of that. Yep. Good he for was, him. But he was the top assistant coach in the league for a while. Just head coaching has not worked out. Yeah. And and again, he's such a toxic personality, especially with how the league has progressed in the players. It's just not going to work with the Knicks. So. All right, so let's talk vacancies. We have the Houston Rockets that we've talked about, the Indiana Pacers, yep, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, the Rockets. We talked about this a little bit before, but Jeff Van Gundy's been interviewed for it. He hasn't coached in the NBA since he coached the Rockets, and that ended in 2007. 13 years a lot has developed in the NBA scheme-wise yeah. in 13 years. I know he's been um, a commentator. I know he sees the game. But does he understand it like all the other coaches do? And it, and it's a lifestyle change. Like, honestly, commentating is a lot cushier of a gig than being a head coach. I think it would be tough to kind of go back into that head coaching. Well, I'm getting on the team plane to travel to this city for this night, and then we have a back-to-back, and I got to deal with all that. You know, I think if you're Jeff Van Gundy – you just kind of interview and uh, keep the current job you're on. 
so the Pacers got rid of Nate McMillan, which was actually kind of surprising because he did a really good job with that team. Uh, they were 45-28 and 28 last year. They kind of underperformed in the playoffs. Um, they were missing some players like Sabonis didn't join the bubble. Who's a, I love Sabonis. He's a really good player. But that team overperformed also, and he'd been with them for a number of years. Larry Bird has a famous saying where he thinks <clears throat> coaches basically have a three-year span, and even if they win the championship, he's going to get rid of you after three years. Uh, Nate McMillan was there for seven years. It was that long? Yep. Wow. He was an associate head coach the first few years, the first three years. Then the last four years, he was the head coach. Wow. So, I mean, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall because of Larry Bird and just how he likes to run that organization. But still, Nate McMillan did a really good job. And he's been kind of an underrated coach, actually. And injuries have plagued that franchise, too. So I would agree. He has done a good job with it. Yeah. I think Nate McMillan should get interviewed and, I mean, should get an opportunity with one of these other teams. I'm not sure... He should this year, and this is where we'll talk in a minute about assistant coaches who I think really deserve an opportunity to be a head coach for the first time. But um, I don't know much about this guy, but apparently the favorite to be the next Pacers head coach is, um, let me look at here, Chris Finch, who is an assistant with the Pelicans. So do with that what you will, but uh, it might be the, him for the... And the Pelicans have their own opening. So a lot of times you get assistant coaches who are then promoted. Um, kind of like Ty Lue was an assistant on the Clippers. Doc Rivers got let go, and then they just promoted Ty Lue. Talking about the Rockets job and the Clippers coaches, Sam Cassell. We both like Sam Cassell kind of as a coach, and he played with the Rockets. He's been an assistant with the Clippers. And the Clippers recently just, like I said, promoted Ty Lue. Uh, Sam Cassell is just kind of still floating there. And I'm almost afraid he's not going to get it. I mean, it seems like he interviewed for the Clippers job, didn't get it. Um, I think he's being considered by the Rockets, but yeah, to me, if you're, I mean, if you're New Orleans or OKC, maybe it would be the best fit for Sam Cassell. You have Gilgis Alexander, who's a young point guard. You still have Chris Paul on contract, although it sounds like they might try and trade him. Yeah. And it, what's interesting about Oklahoma city is what do they want? Do they want player development and they're not trying to win games? Are they going to try to make the playoffs again? Are they just going to run it back? And that might be a bubble thing, too, and that might be an instance where, I mean, although they were, it's not like they were an eight seed and just got in, but they totally overperformed. Um, oh, yeah. Because Chris Paul had such a good year. Can he have that good of a year again? It's tough I, to say. I would think if you can trade Chris Paul and get some assets back, you do that. And I then, know the Lakers want Chris Paul. And then, but I mean, they already traded away everything they have for Anthony Davis. But then that, can't, that doesn't put you in as much of a win-now mode. Maybe you go for a player development coach. Um, Kenny Atkinson was with the Nets. He's a good player development coach. Yep. He could be a possibility for something like that because he was with the Hawks for a while. I know Jacques Vaughn is being looked at for a couple of the vacancies as well. Jacques Vaughn would be a good coach. I think maybe OKC, actually. Um, but, yeah, Sam Cassell, to me, should be a head coach in the NBA. Um, Stan Van Gundy, like we said, is a finalist for the Pelicans job, and I love Stan Van Gundy. But I would like to see these other individuals who have been assistant coaches get an opportunity. Yeah. 
you don't need you don't need the corpse of Jeff Van Gundy coming back to win you a franchise. And I wanted to bring up Billy Donovan because Billy Donovan is a fine coach. I have nothing against Billy Donovan. Like Paul said, I mean, he has shown that he was a really good college coach and he's a good NBA coach. Yep, and he's now the coach of the Chicago Bulls. He is. He so but this is my frustration. He and Oklahoma City part ways mutually. And it was, <laughs> I believe, mutual, actually. Yeah. It sounds like it. But then he immediately gets a Chicago Bulls job. Why is Sam Cassell still not a head coach? This you, is my and, and Ty Lue was think, just hired as the Clippers coach. I think it's ridiculous that Billy Donovan goes from being head coach to head coach right away. Because let's talk about Ty Lue for a second. Well, again, he was just hired as the Clippers head coach. Ty Lue was a head coach for... A championship team. A championship team. He was only a head coach for three seasons, or three seasons and like a few games, or two seasons and a few games. Yep. Which one was it? Uh, I believe three seasons. So three seasons and then a few games. He went to the finals all three years and won one time. So you're telling me... And look, I know that coaching hires are also about fit. I get all of that nuance. But you're telling me that Billy Donovan, who, sure, the Thunder overperformed this year, he's a better choice to lead your young franchise than a championship coach? You're not going to throw everything you could possibly get to just, look, the Bulls have been fucking terrible for multiple years now. That organization has no idea what they're doing. You're not just going to throw shit to the wall and see if it sticks? Like, you hey. Think, you think Boylan gets another head coaching job? Fuck no. I sure hope not. He's terrible. He doesn't deserve anything. There's, I could, I mean, I not off the top of my head, but I could probably find you 50 assistants that should get a head coaching job before Jim Boylan. Yeah. Absolutely Ag- terrible. Agreed. He was, he was awful. He was atrocious, and his players hated him. Because he was, he said some yeah, pretty unsavory... Yeah. All I'll say is this. It's a good thing the Bulls were in the bubble because Jim Boylan and the Black Lives Matter thing probably didn't mesh very well. So fuck you, Jim Boylan, because Black Lives Matter. (laughs) So fuck you. But yeah, I mean, the Chicago Bulls, why would you not be like, hey, Ty Lue, come to Chicago. You, You are a championship coach. Oh my God, we have like... And maybe, I mean, maybe Chicago's going more for that player development. Sure. I just think... I'm sorry. I just think it's bullshit. Oh, I, I, I just think it's bullshit. And I think, I you know, you. and again, and I, I'll just, I'll bring it up because it is a hot button issue. There's not enough black coaches in the NBA in a sport that's predominantly played by African-American players. There's like just a handful. And in fact, I think it's one of the lowest percentages they've had for a long time. And it's not like there's not talented coaches out there to coach. I mean, Jesus Christ, Mike Brown would be a better coach than some of the NBA coaches. <laughs> he would be. <laughs> And it's not even like Mike Mike Brown is a fine coach, but he's not good. <laughs> but like Taylor Jenkins, who's the coach of the Grizzlies, and he's a good coach, but he's a 35-year-old white dude. Yeah. And again, we talk about the Steve Nash thing and Steve Kerr when he is first signed. And you have these guys who have been Sam Cassell, who has been an assistant forever yep. and knows his stuff. Why? Why is he not David Vanderpool, who's the associate head coach for Minnesota? was under Terry Stotts in um, in Portland and was, is credited with teaching Damian Lillard how to play defense. That guy should be a head coach. Give him yeah. an opportunity. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you know, I'm just looking at the list of coaches, and the only person in our top tier who wasn't white was Eric Spolstra. Yeah. And he's, he's Filipino, which, I mean, 
I'm not trying to like qualify, but there are there were no black top tier coaches. Yeah, Doc Rivers would be the top, the top tier, top the the most top tier coach. Yes. of color, and it is. It's unfortunate because that doesn't mean that they're that doesn't mean that white coaches are better than black coaches. It just means that while and this is one thing that frustrated me about the NBA and it was important for them to talk about Black, black Lives Matter. I think they did it really well. Um, again, the Wildcat strike was awesome that the players did that. Yep. And I think it's really cool that they've taken this social justice initiative so far. But God damn it, show it. Fucking show it. Hire more black coaches. Hire more black executives. Hire more, hire, just hire more individuals of color in general to run your organizations. Because guess what? It's people of color that make up that league. That's why you're making billions of dollars every organization. Right. Yep. That's why the owners make so much money. So, you know, black, brown, hire people of color. I know that the NFL has a rule where you have to interview a person of color. Well, that's what it always seems as too. And I yeah, mean, you but, interview them and then you're like, well, actually the white coach has more qualifications and you're like, okay, now it's just become systemic. Interviews don't mean shit. Yeah. Hire, hire more people of color in the NBA, please. Because guess what? They're talented. Jesus Christ. Come on. It's ridiculous. It's not, it's not that hard. And also a white person that I'm going to give some credit to is, Becky Hammond, like Paul mentioned earlier. Becky Hammond. Hire a woman to be your fucking head coach and she, because she will be a better ho- head coach than a lot of the dudes in the league. Oh, she's shown that she can do it. She stepped in for Pop a few times. Look, the WNBA is not watched very well, but um, the the women in that league are incredible. They're better shooters than the dudes in the NBA. It's... Paul, we can have that <laughs> argument, man. Like... WNBA is I I've gotten made fun of before for liking the WNBA, but like there I mean just there are some absolute gamers in that league. Becky Hammond is, was an incredible player. Oh, absolutely. And so she's going to be a great coach, and I hope she gets an opportunity soon. Again, OKC could could yeah. hire her. Yeah. Um, but she should get a job. These other guys should get a job, and you know, and I'll, I'll look at Minnesota. You know, Ryan Saunders is the head coach, 32 year old white guy. And he's the son of Flip Saunders, who was the longtime head coach in Minnesota, passed away from um, cancer several years ago, which was terrible. Flip was awesome. Flip was great. But, you know, Ryan Saunders, I think, could be a good head coach. Yeah. But he did get that job at a privilege. Right. And he does recognize that, which is cool. He's admitted that, you know, he understands that he has white privilege and all that kind of stuff. But just, yeah, come on, NBA. Be better. Yeah, actions speak louder than words. Yeah, be better. It's good that the words are there. It's a step forward that the words are there. It is a step in the right direction, but again... There needs to be more steps in that direction. Yeah, there just needs to be action. Yeah, but at least least the NBA is moving in the right direction, which is better than some other leagues. Which is east toward China. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that was not not cool. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I guess we've so we've kind of done a big overview of the coaches in the NBA currently, uh, the vacancies, people that should be head coaches. Um. I think this year, again, like Paul said, Greg Popovich is the longest tenured coach by a lot, by a lot, and then Eric Spolstra is next by a few years. 
couple years, maybe. I think it's him and Rick Carlisle pretty close. Uh, he and Rick Car- Carlisle are very close. And then it's another four-year gap to get to Terry Stotts. So there's just been so many coaching carousels, and we'll see. Maybe that's just how it's going to be. Maybe that's just how it's going to be for the long term. But um, I do think, like we said, it'll be interesting to see how Steve Kerr does this year, how Michael Malone does this year. A guy that um, you didn't mention on the show, but I know you mentioned before, is Quinn Snyder with the Utah Jazz. It's kind of in that, like, two, three tier kind of... I'd probably put him tier three. Sure. Utah just... Utah never impresses me. Right. It seems kind of like... He's a fine coach, but if they overperformed, I would be surprised. Well, if they overperformed, no offense to Quinn Snyder, they do have Donovan Mitchell on their team. That's It's kind of one of those things where I feel like it's just Donovan Mitchell just like showing off, and that's how they overperformed. The only reason they were in the series with Denver was Donovan Mitchell. Absolutely. Rudy Gobert wasn't that great. He wasn't, no. He was fine. He was fine, but Donovan Mitchell was that guy. Oh, Donovan oh, Mitchell was shit. great. He was so good. I was like, can the Hawks get Donovan Mitchell somehow? <laughs> I mean, every team wants him. But, yeah, Quinn Snyder is just, he's a tier three. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'll be curious to see how how Michael Malone and how Steve Kerr do. And I'll be excited to watch the dumpster fire in New York. It's going to be hilarious. But the other dumpster fire in New York that we really didn't talk about was Steve Nash and we did not touch on that. Oh God! In so the, we mentioned it before. How on the co-coaching Kevin Durant's podcast, Kyrie Irving was talking about how basically, oh yeah, we're like Steve so, Co- or Steve Nash might coach one night. I'll coach a night. Jacques Vaughn can coach a night if he's still here. Kevin Durant can coach a night. <laughs> yeah, if I haven't gotten Jacques Vaughn fired by then, he can coach. And you're just like, uh, what? <laughs> there is no pyramid there. It's just, it's a. Uh, why did you bring in Steve Nash to be your head coach, which is a big time, like marquee hire? Yeah, you're. Why I did mean, you bring him in? Your team has championship aspirations. You have Kevin Durant, who's a very, very good player. Kyrie Irving, who's a very good player. Uh, Karis LeVert, a very good player. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, like your goal is a championship next season, and you bring in Steve Nash, who's been trying to be hired by other places like other places have wanted to hire him and, and he's been like no he's turned him down so you get this guy like this coveted coach and then you're like yeah he uh he may just take some nights off maybe i'll do his job just completely undermining the whole situation <laughs> it- <laughs> that just it's, again shows I it's think, gonna be incredible i think on one of our like upcoming shows other than maybe just the next one we have to do we have to do like a top five toxic players in the nba yeah we, we, we got to do it because <laughs> because man we got so many good takes on that paul and i just talk so much shit about certain players um spoiler alert Kyrie probably in the top five he's, for a, sure. he's a consensus for top sure five. <laughs> um because he's already undermining their championship aspirations come on dude before the coach has even coached the game he's already like yeah, maybe uh, maybe he won't coach the, the first game of the season. <laughs> so with that, we'll probably leave you for today. Um, we'll figure out some fun stuff to talk about next time. Maybe we'll talk about the draft. Maybe we'll dive into that a little bit because it's coming up here 
Oh, not for a little bit, about a month or so. But but both of our teams suck that we care about the most. Wolves have the number one pick. Hawks have the number six pick. Wolves are going to get John Collins. Uh, for <laughs> and with that, fuck you, Matt. Um, Don't touch my boy, John Collins. But in all seriousness, to end the show, all I have to say is, fuck Kyrie Irving. The world is not flat. It is round. I'm Matt. Fuck you, Matt. I'm Paul. Fuck you, Paul. <laughs> And thanks for listening to Basketballers.